It's time for America Outdoors Radio, the show that covers the outdoor scene across the U.S. of A. and the entire continent. Fishing, hunting, conservation, outdoor recreation, and great destinations, we cover it all every week. It's your country, your outdoors. Let's explore it together with your host, John Cruz. Welcome to the show. I've got to tell you, I'm a little excited. And the reason why is because I am picking up a puppy and bringing it home this weekend. It's going to be an English Springer Spaniel. It's black and white. It's a male. And I'm kind of torn in terms of the name. I had picked out Sam, Yosemite Sam to be exact, as an initial name. But I'm also thinking about George. Uh, Let me explain why. Our first dog was a golden retriever named Gracie. And our plan was to have a male dog with it that we would call George, like George and Gracie Burns. But that never happened. Now, my last Springer Spaniel was actually named Georgia. She was a female. But I'm still wondering, should I call this dog George or should I call this dog Sam? I would love to get your opinion. And if you want to give me your opinion, shoot me an email. You can shoot me that email through our website at americaoutdoorsradio.com or go to our Facebook page at America Outdoors Radio and let me know which name you think is better for this puppy, George or Sam. And I'll let you know what I settle on. As for this dog, it's coming from a breeder out of Twin Falls, Idaho. New Day Springers is the name of the company. And Jim... The owner of New Day Springers actually has several AKC registered English Springer Spaniels still available in liver and white and black and white, both boys and girls. They are some good looking dogs, and I think they are going to hunt. The father of the litter loves to chase ducks, is very athletic, and loves to retrieve, while the mom loves to swim in the Snake River. Put it all together, and I think we've got some good genes going here. And with any luck, George or Sam, whoever it's going to be, will turn out to be a pretty good hunter in about a year. If you're interested in taking a look at them, just go to Facebook and look up New Day Springers. That's New Day Springers. That's the breeder out of Idaho. And again, he's got several puppies still available if you're interested. This week on the show, we've got some great guests for you. One of them is Brooks Hansen with Camp Chef. We're going to talk about cooking up wild game for Thanksgiving and some ways that you can do it, whether you use wild game as an appetizer or whether you use it as a main dish. Brooks has got some great advice to help you put out a great meal using Camp Chef products. Our other guest today, that would be Kyle Kuntz. He hails from Michigan. He is an avid bass angler, and he was featured in an article about his use of the A-Rig, the good old Alabama rig, to catch bass at this time of year. Something that I wasn't expecting to see or hear from, but Kyle says it's a surefire way to get bass in the boat in November. So he's going to tell you exactly how he fishes an Alabama rig, also known as an A-Rig, also known as an umbrella rig, for success at this time of year. And then Kyle's going to stick around and talk a little bit about a company he's associated with. That would be Whitewater Performance Fishing Apparel. And they've got some really good clothing that you can wear this time of year when it's cold and nasty out that'll keep you warm and comfortable while you're on the water. Kyle's going to tell you about heated vests, about some really nice bibs and jackets and hoodies that I suspect you're going to want to check out. In addition to this, we've got all sorts of outdoors news for you. We've got lots of news about deer hunting out of the Midwest, a sad story out of Iowa where an accident took the life of a waterfowl hunter. 
And of course, another record fish story. Once again, this one comes out of South Dakota, and once again, it's another walleye. Before we get into all that, though, we've got some fishing news to share. Turning to the tournament trail, got quite a bit of news from Bassmaster where we learn a couple of pros are retiring from the Bassmaster Elite Series. That includes Larry Nixon, the original million dollar Bassman. Yes, Larry Nixon made a million dollars in winnings from BASS fishing between 1977 and 1992. As a matter of fact, altogether, he's made $1.66 million bass fishing over his career. And what a career it's been. For 12 seasons between 1977 and 1988, Nixon never ranked lower than 8th in the Angler of the Year standings. And for 9 consecutive years between 1979 and 1987, he was in the top 5 and he had Angler of the Year titles coming in 1980 and 1982. In addition to winning the 1983 Bassmaster Classic on the Ohio River, the 25-time Bassmaster Classic qualifier finished in the top 10 an astounding eight times. Larry Nixon says he's retiring from the Elite Series primarily due to health reasons. He says, my health is okay, but believe me, everything is just worn out. It's become really difficult to just do normal things like tie knots and other things. Well, Larry, you definitely are known as a class act in the world of tournament bass fishing, and I hope you'll enjoy your retirement and a little bit of fun fishing on the side. Another angler stepping away from the Bassmaster Elite Series is one of my favorites, Bradley Hallman. He's that longtime bass angler from Oklahoma who's got a great YouTube channel. And if you have ever wanted to fish as a co-angler, you've got to check out the videos he has about being a good co-angler. They're absolutely fantastic. I've watched them several times. And Bradley has also chronicled his tournament performances on his YouTube channel as well. And i got to tell you, this year was not a good one for Bradley Hallman. He had a lot of tough tournaments this year, and I don't know if that's the reason why he's stepping away or if it's, as he says, just family. And I'll just quote him here in the press release about this. He says, I think it's just a combination of a lot of different things, to be honest. I knew in my heart the way back from the New York tournaments that I had a lot to think about and I just wanted to make the decisions for myself and my family. Hallman went on to say, I knew a few years ago when I jumped into the Opens that it would be something to help motivate me to have a goal and to make it to the elites. But I realized that I just don't burn like I used to in order to compete at the highest level. Hallman was part of the 2006 Elite Series rookie class. He competed for six consecutive seasons, securing five top ten finishes in that stretch. He's a two-time FLW Tour champion, and he requalified for the elites with a first-place finish in the 2022 St. Croix Bassmaster Central Opens point standing. Holman's parting words, I think I'm just ready for something else. Well, whatever that something else is, Bradley, know that there's a lot of big fans of you, and a lot of us are rooting for you in the future, whatever the next chapter brings you. On the other hand, with his retirements from the Elite Series, a door has opened for Jordan Lee, that former back-to-back -back Bassmaster Classic champion, to come back to the Elite Series starting next year. He's going to return to the Elites via a legend spot in the field, which opened when Larry Nixon announced his retirement. In just five seasons competing in major bass events, Lee, who hails from Grant, Alabama, amassed more than $1.1 million in earnings. 
In Lee's words, this is really exciting. I'm looking forward to the challenge of being back at the Elites. I know from a competitive standpoint, there are a lot of young guys on the Elite Series that are young, hungry, and eat, sleep, and breathe this sport. Lee says, when I started my career at Bass, I didn't really know what was going to happen, but winning those classics changed my life. To this day, that's what people know me from. I still have people bring it up and talk about it pretty consistently. Lee continues, if I'm able to get back to the classic, I know it's going to put a huge smile on my face seeing all the fans, my family, and just being back on the big stage. That's what everyone dreams about, and I'm hoping I can get back there. Like I said, lots of news from the Bassmaster Tournament Trail this week. Stick around, we've got more of the outdoors coming your way to include a discussion with Brooks Hansen with Camp Chef that's going to be all about cooking up wild game for Thanksgiving and, for that matter, outside of Thanksgiving too. been telling you about Sportsman's Cove Lodge in Southeast Alaska for a while now, and there's a reason. They are the only Alaska Lodge we talk about in this show. It's because they're truly Alaska's best lodge. The adventure starts with a float plane ride from Ketchikan, after which you'll get the chance to experience some of the best hospitality, food, and wonderful people you'll ever meet. Wildlife is abundant, from bears and deer to eagles and whales, and let's not forget the reason you're here, the fishing. Halibut, salmon, lingcod, rockfish, true cod, and more. It's all waiting for you in abundance at Sportsman's Cove Lodge. Book your trip today at alaskasbestlodge.com. That's alaskasbestlodge.com for Sportsman's Cove Lodge. Looking for the perfect gift for the hunter or shooter in your life? Give them a Henry. These American-made lever-action guns shoot straight and have a classic Western look. Choose from a 22 caliber Henry for plinking, a heavier caliber for hunting, or even a shotgun for birds and small game. Better still, these guns come in all sorts of finishes, covering everything from use in the field or on the range to showing off the best-looking firearm in your zip code. Henry rifles and shotguns come with a lifetime guarantee. And if you help need deciding what Henry is right for you, just ask. The award-winning customer service team at HenryUSA.com will be happy to help you out. So, go to HenryUSA.com and order a free catalog and holiday gift guide. Then, find what you like, look for a dealer near you, and get a gift that will put a real smile on someone's face this holiday season. Start searching for your Henry now at HenryUSA.com. That's HenryUSA.com. Hunt of a Lifetime is a nationwide nonprofit organization dedicated to providing hunting and fishing trips to youth 21 and under who suffer from life-threatening illnesses and disabilities. These adventures make big differences in the lives of those who participate in them, and in many cases are literally a dream come true that brings hope and therapy to their lives. Find out more, get involved, or donate today at huntofalifetime.org. That's huntofalifetime.org. huntofalifetime.org.
You're back here with America Outdoors Radio. I'm John Cruz. We've got Brooks Hansen on the line from Camp Chef. The last time we talked to him, he was getting ready to head back to Montana to chase elk. Brooks, how did the second hunt go? Man, it went really well, John. Thanks for asking. Thanks for having me on the show. It was really good. Went up and hunted with a friend and uh, saw a lot of elk and was able to harvest a nice bull. Nice. How big was it? Uh, just six by six. And that's kind of what we were shooting for. Hold on, hold on. Just six by six. You know, I'd be perfectly happy with a raghorn, but you're (laughs) just a six by six. Not a big deal. Well, well done. (laughs) Yeah, that's that was our goal. Try to shoot six points, and uh, he shot a six by seven, and I shot a six by six. So, any other hunts you've been on lately? You know, my dad had a special bison tag in the state of Wyoming, and we got to go chase bison. That was a pretty fun experience, and those animals are really large. Yes, they are, I'm sure. The hard part wasn't the, the shooting one. The hard part was probably the, the butchering of one. Oh, my goodness. I don't know where to start. <laughs> <laughs> they are, like I said, they're large animals. Let's talk a little bit. You know, we got Thanksgiving coming up this week, and I wanted to talk a little bit about alternatives to turkey. Let's talk about maybe, you know, wild game. Yeah, I guess I've got to ask, are you having turkey in your house, or are you going to maybe have elk or bison? So we are very traditional, and we will have turkey. That does not mean that we're not going to substitute with lots of different appetizers that will be all made for a wild game. All right. Tell me a couple of those little bits. So be. I'll do some smoked salmon wonton, Ooh. which I'll get some, you know, some wild-caught salmon that we have from Alaska and smoke up some salmon bellies and use that meat for the, for the fried wontons. We'll probably do a jalapeno popper of some sort. I like to do a popper dip where I'll brine some duck breast and then chop it up and fry it and then add it into a a jalapeno popper cheese dip. So people can kind of use that as an hors d'oeuvre or an appetizer or chips and dip, but it's like a jalapeno popper with duck in it. And then I'm trying to contemplate, we're going to do something with elk. The bison we're not going to eat on Thanksgiving, but the elk we're going to do something. I'll do something with the backstrap to have. I've kind of got some ideas in mind. I don't know what yet or which one I'm going to do, kind of do like a little backstrap or just some regular fillets to put out to eat along with the turkey. You know, if you ever decide to adopt a full-grown kid, please keep me in mind and bring me over for Thanksgiving. (laughs) (laughs) Gotcha. All right, question for you. And this is something I get from a lot of folks. A lot of folks say, I don't like wild game because it tastes gamey. And a lot of times the wild game that they're eating has been previously frozen. Now, I think you and I can both agree that fresh wild game, it's hard to beat in terms of taste. But when you put it in the freezer, bring it out, sometimes, in fact, a lot of times, it doesn't taste nearly as good. What can we do to make that previously frozen wild game taste better, whether it be ducks or bucks? Well, I think it starts with the way you take care of it in the field to get rid of the gamey flavor. I like to dry age, and you can even dry age your duck. But dry age your meat if you've got a place to hang your deer, or if you've got a fridge and a rack that you can dry age it before you freeze it, that's going to be a good start. But I do understand that sometimes we've got to hurry and get them cut up, especially with shot You know, if the weather temperatures are pretty warm. Pull out the cuts of meat, because it's a lot smaller than, say, a full animal, and dry age it before you cook it, or at least let it rest in a refrigerator to let some of that blood as it thaws, and some of the muscle tissues to break down and and hang, and let that blood kind of come out of the animal, which that's where you're getting a lot of your gamey flavor, is from the blood. If it's a bird that's been shot and hurry and breasted or plucked whole and then frozen, dry age it or brine it. I usually brine my birds and What about rubs and spices? Does that help too? 
I mean, you're masking flavor, right? But I don't think, you know, I'm a salt and pepper guy. I do like a small rub or flavor. There's certain things that call for that and give you a, a nice flavor and a good profile and something different. So the answer is yes, that does help. I'm not opposed to it. I think that's one way you can kind of help counteract that. But I would say start by dry aging. Like if you pull a back strip out that was frozen, just put it on a little cooling rack, put it in your fridge, let it rest there for three or four days before you're going to cook it if you've got time or even... 12 to 24 hours is more than enough on that. Brining, you're going to brine 12 to 24 hours, and that's going to be two parts uh, salt and two parts uh, brown sugar. Or you can go buy a brine. There's lots of different brines out there on the shelf. Uh, High Mountain Seasoning makes a really good poultry brine that works really well and and helps kind of get rid of that gamey flavor you're talking about. And then I think when you cook it, Wild game is not meant to be overdone, and that's when it becomes muttony and gray and leathery. So, you know, whatever you're cooking, there's lots of information on the on the Internet that you can research to see what the correct temperatures to cook it at, and that's going to make a world of difference as well. Let's talk about something else here, and this would be an alternative to turkey, upland birds, specifically pheasant. A lot of folks in Kansas and the Dakotas and Minnesota and Iowa probably have plenty of pheasant, and they taste great. If you were to serve up a couple of pheasants for Thanksgiving, maybe in a pellet grill, how would you go about doing it? I would probably roast it in a Dutch oven in a pellet grill so you can still get that smoke flavor in there with the lid off. But I'd put some liquid in that Dutch oven and some veggies in that Dutch oven and put that bird in there whole and, and let it roast in there because you want to keep that moisture. The thing with the pheasants, grouse, any of your upland birds is they're more lean than, say, a bird that's been raised in a, in a, on a farm or a domestic chicken. They're way more lean and they tend to be more dry. So you want to replace that with some, when you're cooking it with some liquid or you're going to do it hot and fast. Or if you're going to go low and slow, you want to be in like some liquid. But I would, I would roast it in one of our Dutch ovens with some veggies and, and maybe a little broth or something in, in there. And you can even use, there's some soups and some soup recipes. I try to avoid the traditional cream of mushroom soup, although it's good. But I think there's other alternatives and options that kind of help keep that bird moist. If you are going to roast a pheasant or two in a Dutch oven in the pellet grill, what are we talking about in terms of time and temperature? It really depends. I would probably go at about 225 degrees on the, the temperature of the grill. And that bird's probably going to take about four hours, maybe five. Well, it sounds absolutely delicious to me. Not to mention your appetizers sound absolutely delicious, too. But bottom line, folks, is if you can't make it to Brooks Hansen's house for Thanksgiving, you can certainly cook up some wild game yourself or some wild birds and have a great Thanksgiving yourself. And I hope that all of you do just that. If you're looking for a great way to cook them up, just go to CampChef.com. Check out the product line. I'm guessing there's going to be some great deals at big box stores on Black Friday, too, isn't there? There sure is. There sure is. Just keep an eye on CampChef.com and all your local retailers. Lots of good opportunities out there right now. All right. Cook it up for the holidays. Make it wild game. Make it wild fish. And make it Camp Chef. The website again, CampChef.com. Brooks, have yourself a happy Thanksgiving. You too, John. Thanks for having me on. This portion of the show is brought to you by our friends at Henry Repeating Arms. I just happened to get my hands on an early edition of a Black Friday flyer for Sportsman's Warehouse. They've got like 130 plus stores all over America, and this would be a great place to go for a Black Friday sale, especially 
if you're in the market for a rifle from Henry Repeating Arms. For example, their Henry Classic 22 caliber lever action rifle will be available on Black Friday and that weekend for only $329.99. If you want to get something besides this entry-level rifle, which is a great rifle, by the way, consider the Henry X model lever action rifles. They come in a whole bunch of different calibers. They are very weather-resistant. They are rugged. They're reliable. And all of Henry's firearms shoot straight right out of the box. If these two don't appeal to you, there's 200 different models to choose from. And you can see them all at HenryUSA.com. In particular, check out the Golden Boy and the Tribute Edition rifles. Those would make fantastic gifts for somebody special in your life. Again, the website to go to HenryUSA.com. Look for an authorized dealer near you or head to Sportsman's Warehouse and get yourself a deal on Black Friday. Hunting and fishing are exercises in hope. Before you head into the woods, you hope to tag out on a deer you'll have to field dress. Before you make that first cast, you hope for a big fish to clean and fillet. When your hopes are realized, you'll need a sharp knife. Whether you sharpen that blade on a power sharpener in the shop or a manual sharpener in the field, WorkSharp has the tool for you. Look for WorkSharp products in sporting goods stores near you or online at WorkSharpTools.com. Hunt of a Lifetime is a nationwide nonprofit organization dedicated to providing hunting and fishing trips to youth 21 and under who suffer from life-threatening illnesses and disabilities. These adventures make big differences in the lives of those who participate in them, and in many cases are literally a dream come true that brings hope and therapy to their lives. Find out more, get involved, or donate today at huntofalifetime.org. That's huntofalifetime.org. Huntofalifetime.org. You're back in with America Outdoors Radio. Our next stop is the great state of Michigan. That's where we're going to check in with Kyle Kunst. He is an avid angler, also an avid deer hunter, who tagged out not too long ago in northern Michigan. Kyle, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me, John. Well, the reason I've got you on is I read a, a really good article on the Fishing Wire where you were heavily quoted about your use of the Alabama rig, also known as the A-rig, for late fall smallmouth bass. And that, I've got to admit, is something I wasn't expecting to see. I'm always thinking about finesse jigs and drop shots this time of year. Yeah, so it's an interesting tactic that I've kind of learned over the last, I'd say, two to three years and got pretty good with. And up here where I'm at in Michigan... There's a lot of different lakes and rivers that you can put that technique to use, and it's a riot when it works. So let's talk about specific weather conditions where you would use an A-rig. Yeah, so the number one thing that I look for is I like there to be wind. This creates waves, obviously, and for some reason, I don't know if it just breaks up the overall bulky look of the presentation or just makes it a little bit more natural or makes those fish feed a little bit heavier. But for some reason, wind is always the thing I want and definitely a factor that will make me pick up the A-Rig. Oftentimes, I like it to be overcast. There can be a little bit of sun, but for the most part, I like it to be a little bit darker. So those lower light with that wind and waves to kind of break up the profile, I think those are the two things that I look for personally. Let's talk about depth. 
Yeah, so that's the cool thing about this technique as well, is it's super versatile. Like, you can throw it in anywhere from two to three feet of water out to 30, 35 feet, and pretty much anywhere in between. Obviously, up shallow, it's a little bit tougher because you got to kind of burn that A-rig to keep it up out of the cover or whatever you're fishing. So I would say most often I would say I fish 10 to 20 feet of water. That would be just kind of the average somewhere in there. And a lot of times, like I said, you can't go out deeper, but at that point it helps to have some sort of forward-facing sonar so you can kind of track exactly where your bait is at in the water column. Yeah, and that has been such a game changer. You know, the offshore fishing, the forward-facing sonar, being able to track the fish's reaction in real time that's, like I said, a huge game changer, and it sounds like it's very effective for this lure. Let's talk about actually retrieving it. What kind of retrieve do you do? Are we talking just a study retrieve, a stop and pause retrieve, or what? Yeah, absolutely. I would definitely agree that forward-facing sonar has changed the game. It's kind of been around since I started learning the technique, so it definitely makes it a lot easier. So a lot of times I'll like to cast it out regardless of how deep I'm fishing. Let it sink towards the bottom, and then I'll start to pick it up once it's within, I'd say, three to five feet of the bottom. I'll start to just slowly make sure my flat gets up and then start to retrieve when it's within two to three feet of the bottom. And like I said, without forward-facing sonar, that's a little bit trickier, but you can try a little countdown method. Typically, it'll sink about one foot per second. But yeah, so I'll look at my forward-facing sonar, cast it out, let it get down close to the bottom, pick up my slack, and then start going. My retrieve is pretty simple. Some guys just reel it straight, and obviously each day is different, but my favorite thing to do is I'll reel it straight, pretty consistent for about five seconds or so, and then give it a big pulse with my reel handle. So all of a sudden I'll be reeling straight, and then just pulse it, pop it a little quicker for about a half a turn in the reel, and then go back and do it the same thing. Consistent reel for about three to five seconds, give it a big pulse, and just keep doing that the entire way back to the boat. Let's talk about the A-Rig itself, because they come in, in a lot of different colors, and folks put a lot of different offerings on their A-Rig. How do you rig up yours? Yeah, so I like to use the six-sense A-Rig. Up here in Michigan, we can have five hooks on the A-Rigs. I know some states, that's different. You can only have three hooks, so you'd have to have some dummy baits, depending on where you're at in the country. But up here in Michigan, like I said, you can have all five swim baits hooked up, so Typically, I like to roll with three-inch swim baits on all of my baits besides the back middle one. I like to make that bait an outlier and either make it a larger bait, a different color, or just something to set it apart because a lot of times that is the, the back middle bait is the one that always gets bit by the fish. I'm not sure why, but that, at least in my situation, and I know a lot of other people, they always have that back middle one get targeted the most, so I like to typically run like a 3.5-inch bait on that back middle one. And then the rest of them will be 3-inch or 3.25. Um, and that back middle bait that gets targeted the heaviest can also, you can go up to 4-inch if you want. But typically, I'll go 3-inch bait all the way around and then a 3.5 or a 4 on that back middle bait. Any specific colors you like to use at this time of year on your Alabama rig? Yeah, so it's pretty simple. I just like to keep it natural. I know a lot of places in the country have shad. Up here, we really don't have any shad, which is kind of surprising. So we have some outwives, which are pretty similar color, just that grayish silver. Um, and then another big player up here as far as bait go is the perch. So typically, I'll just do a gray or a silver or a little bit of like an AYU, a little bit more yellowish to kind of imitate a perch. But I just like to keep it natural. Like I said, the only time that I go away from that theory is with that back middle bait I like to make. Sometimes I'll paint the head red or just a little bit 
off color, just give those fish something to key in on and make sure they can actually get a hold of it instead of just kind of bumping it and missing the hook. Last but not least, let's talk about the rod, the line, and the reel. Yeah, so this is a big thing with throwing A-rigs. You need the right equipment, otherwise it's really tricky and it will actually get you really tired and just kind of burn out your arms and your wrists and whatnot. So I like to throw a bigger, longer rod. I'd say anywhere from 7, 10 to 8 foot long. Um, I typically use that 7, right in the middle there. And you need it to be a long rod that has good flex all throughout the rod so you can get leverage with cast. Longer handles help quite a bit for that. And then as well as a longer and bigger rod, you need to be able to have a, a reel that you can pair with that that's a little bit bigger because oftentimes I like to throw my A-rigs on 20-pound test fluorocarbon, which, as you know, the diameter of that line is quite a bit larger. So you need a big reel that can spool up a bunch of that line and make those long casts. And then I typically like to have a middle speed gear ratio reel somewhere between 6 and 7. You just don't want to get too fast or you're going to end up burning that uh, A-rig just because your reel's too quick. So somewhere in between on the speed and you just need a bigger reel, bigger rod that can handle that big heavy setup and still give you enough leverage and power to get those fish in the boat. And this method of fishing, I know you're up in Michigan. Does this work in other parts of the country too? I mean, would this work down in Florida or in Alabama or Arkansas or Missouri? Yeah, for sure. So I've fished, grown up fishing up here in Michigan, but I've fished a few Bassmaster college tournaments throughout my life, a few in Alabama, one in Florida, one in Texas, Louisiana. So I've used it around the country a little bit. I know a lot of guys do, but for those tournaments that I've fished throughout my college career, in Bassmaster, they actually ban the A-Rig, so you can't even have it in the boat. But outside of the tournament landscape, yeah, to answer your question, it definitely does work. I know it's a big player pretty much nationwide outside of the BASS tournaments where they're banned. Anywhere where you have schooling bait, like Shad is a huge one, Alwives up here, Perch, anything that's just going to imitate that bait ball is a great place to be throwing this A-Rig, especially right now when these fish are trying to bulk up and get fat for the winter. They know they're going to be uh, a lot more lethargic and got to get their calories up right now. So, yeah, anywhere where you have big schooling bait uh, is a great time and great place to throw this technique. All right. Call it the umbrella rig. Call it the Alabama rig. Call it the A-rig. Whatever you call it, it works for fall bass. So give it a try. If you want to find out more details, go to the Fishing Wire and check out the article that Kyle is featured in all about fishing the A-rig for fall smallmouth bass. Kyle, would you mind sticking around? I'd like to ask you some questions about uh, a company you're associated with, Whitewater Performance Fishing Gear. Absolutely. Do you love to fish? Do you love to eat fish? Well, if you do, you know how important it is to have something to keep things sharp. Now, in the boat, it might be something to keep your hook sharp, like maybe the pocket knife sharpener from WorkSharp, which also works just fine along with the guided field sharpener for keeping fillet knives sharp. So when it comes to cleaning those fish you catch for the day, you can get that done in a hurry. And let's not forget back at the house when you're preparing those fish for a meal. That's when you want to have a kitchen knife sharpener, and there's several electric ones available. You can find them all at WorkSharpTools.com, which lists all sorts of both manual and electric sharpeners you can use in the kitchen, in the shop, or in the field. Sharp hooks and sharp knives make for a happy day on the water, so get your sharpener today at WorkSharpTools.com or look for these products at quality sporting goods stores and hardware stores near you.
Come explore the Dalles in Oregon for outdoors fun. Hike amongst the wildflowers, bike our riverfront trail, or visit the Gorge Discovery Center where you can enjoy a live raptor display. Or even check out our National Neon Sign Museum. But don't forget the fishing. We've got salmon, steelhead, bass, walleye, and monster-sized sturgeon waiting just for you. When the day is done, tell those tall tales at one of our wineries, breweries, or restaurants and plan your next adventure. Find out more at explorethedalles.com. In today's news, I'm cooking a brisket. Let's go to Jill at my house to see how it's going. This is your house and you brought me and the crew to check on your brisket? That's correct, Jill. How's it looking? This is a Camp Chef Woodwind Wi-Fi. You know you, you can check your cook right from your phone, right? I didn't know that was an option, Jill. Well, never mind. But before you leave, can you feed the dog? What? No, no. When we get back, why is my check engine light on? The answer may shock me. Looking to reel in the marketing opportunity of a lifetime? Then set the hook because we've got it right here. America Outdoors Radio has sponsorships available, and we offer an affordable platform to reach thousands of listeners interested in fishing, hunting, and the outdoors. Find out more by contacting host John Cruz through his website at AmericanOutdoorsRadio.com. That's AmericanOutdoorsRadio.com. But hurry, if you wait too long, this big opportunity might just get away. That's AmericanOutdoorsRadio.com. We've been telling you about Sportsman's Cove Lodge in Southeast Alaska for a while now, and there's a reason. They are the only Alaska Lodge we talk about in this show. It's because they're truly Alaska's best lodge. The adventure starts with a float plane ride from Ketchikan, after which you'll get the chance to experience some of the best hospitality, food, and wonderful people you'll ever meet. Wildlife is abundant, from bears and deer to eagles and whales, and let's not forget the reason you're here, the fishing. Halibut, salmon, lingcod, rockfish, true cod, and more. It's all waiting for you in abundance at Sportsman's Cove Lodge. Book your trip today at alaskasbestlodge.com. That's alaskasbestlodge.com for Sportsman's Cove Lodge. Attention small business owners. This could be the most important 10-minute call you will ever make. You could recover up to $26,000 per employee today. And all you have to do is make one short 10-minute call to take your business up a notch or bounce back from these difficult couple of years. Omega Accounting Solutions can help you recover any payroll tax overpayments you made during the pandemic. You may even be eligible to receive up to $26,000 per employee. All it takes is a quick, easy, free 10-minute ERC consultation to determine if you qualify. Omega is the small business champion with teams dedicated to maximizing tax credits. They know their stuff so well that CPAs and payroll companies even turn to Omega for ERC tax guidance. Call 800-300-9ERC. That's 800-300-9ERC. 1-800-300-9ERC. Or visit omegataxcredits.com. Next on America Outdoors Radio, we've got Kyle Kunst back with us on the line. He was just telling you about catching bass with umbrella rigs or A-rigs. But now I want to talk to you, Kyle, about a company you're associated with, and that would be Whitewater Performance Fishing Apparel, because they've got some fishing apparel that looks like it'd be very comfortable to wear this time of year when it's getting pretty darn cold out. 
And I want to start off in particular with something that looks really comfortable. That would be the insulated heated vest. Tell our listeners about this. Yeah, that's a great one to start with, John. That's probably the fan favorite this time of year, like you said. A lot of times when, when you're out late in the fall or early in the spring or any time in between, it gets really cold, as you might imagine, and that makes it tough to stay out on the water. So that would probably be my favorite piece is the torque heated vest. It's pretty much what it sounds like. It's a heated vest. You have a couple different settings. plugs into just any sort of power outlet, and then it has thermal heating all throughout the vest. Uh, it's a great layering piece. I personally love to wear that. I'll wear a long sleeve and then throw on, we have a nice hoodie. It's called the Bowie HD hoodie. And then, so I'll throw a long sleeve, a sweatshirt, and then throw that vest over top to kind of keep you all inflated and then whatever outerwear on top of all that. And that really helps to keep that core temperature and really keeps you out on the water longer than uh, a lot of other anglers this time of year. Well, I see it's not fleece, that it's got a nylon shell. And I also see that it does have insulation as well. The charge in terms of the heating, how long does it last? Off the top of my head, I honestly don't know. I have to look at our website to tell you that, but I've had it out there, especially if you have it on a low or intermediate setting, it'll last you a long time. It also depends on the power source that you're using, but the ones that we sell with, I believe they can last up to eight hours. Don't quote me on that, but off the top of my head, I want to say it can last up to eight hours in one particular charge on a battery. Okay. Uh, let's get back to that whitewater buoy fishing hoodie. I mean, all of us as anglers, I think, have hoodies. But this one actually is treated to repel moisture with something called DWR. What is that? Yeah, so I love the HD hoodie. Like you mentioned, it has a, like, repellent on it. So if it's not raining really hard, like, it's a great piece. Even if it's sprinkling, if it's misting, if there's some morning dew, it just ha- helps shed some of that moisture. And the other thing about it is it's, when it says heavy duty, it is heavy duty. Like that thing is super warm, super insulated. I've worn a lot of sweatshirts and that is definitely not one you want to throw on in the summer because it's <laughs> built to really keep that heat in. Uh, but yeah, in the fall, winter, early spring, it's a great piece to layer with and really helps keep that heat in. All right. Another question about this hoodie. I see that it actually has a front and back shoulder reflective tape on it. What's that all about? Yeah, that's just a nice feature Whitewater threw on there to help with visibility, whether you're in a boat or just out ice fishing or walking down the side of a road. It's just nice to have that reflective strip and you put any sort of light on it. Shines off really bright, so you see it helps with visibility. Like I said, whether you're out on a boat, fishing off a bridge or somewhere, walking walking a road at night, just a nice little feature there. All right, well... I love a good set of fishing bibs, and it looks like the Whitewater Tabor fishing bib definitely fits that bill. Tell our listeners about this good-looking set of bibs. Yeah, very excited uh, to talk about the Tamer. I would say that's my definitely my favorite outerwear piece that we offer. And the Tamer soft shell top and bottom, we got a jacket and bib. Like you said, it is, it's a sweet piece. I've worn a lot of other brands just growing up fishing, and this is by far my favorite. So it's designed for technically cold, cold gear. It's not completely waterproof. That being said, it's very, very waterproof. It's just that the seams are not taped, so it's not if you were in a torrential downpour it would eventually go in through the seam but like i said the the reason i pick up this tamer is because it's super comfortable like it has just a stretchy athletic feel to it it's not one of those rain suits or cold gear suits where you sit down and every time you sit down your knees are pinching and your hips are pinching and your back is sore so like when you get out on the water for a long time it's awesome to have a really comfortable piece to wear and then on top of that 
It's super warm and it does a great job keeping the wind out. And it's like, it's a great piece, especially for any time when it's cold, windy, and a little bit wet. If I know I'm going to go out in a torrential downpour, I would pick up the Great Lakes rain suit just because all those seams are taped. But if it's anything in between, my go-to is that Tamer suit for sure. All right, we'll wrap it up with the Whitewater Tamer soft shell jacket. Why do you like this so much? Yeah, so same thing as the bib. The Tamer top is super comfortable. I love how it fits. A big thing I ran into with a lot of other suits that I would wear is my back would get super sore from just kind of having everything scrunched up in a tight rain suit all day. Right. And this jacket gives you tons of mobility. It's got plenty of like mobility to make casts it's never like you're getting caught up and i also think it looks really cool i love the look the feel and uh like i said super comfortable and keeps that wind off you for those cold winter days that's kyle kuntz folks he is an avid angler you'll find him on the great lakes and other lakes in michigan this fall and if you want to stay warm and comfortable during this late fall fishing season check out the gear that Whitewater Performance Fishing Apparel has for you. You can go to their website and find it at whitewaterfish.com. That's whitewaterfish.com. Kyle, thanks for sharing this with us today on America Outdoors Radio. Absolutely. Thanks, John. Are you looking to harvest a trophy whitetail buck this year? Where do you think you should go? Maybe Kansas? Maybe Pennsylvania? No? Actually, Indiana is the new top whitetail state. From Outdoor Life, we learn from Natalie Krebs that Indiana has edged out every other state for the most record book whitetail entries in 2019 and 2020, according to the Boone and Crockett record books. And this isn't just a two-year one-off. No, in 2016 and 2017, Indiana came in third for record book whitetail entries behind Ohio and Wisconsin. And in 2018, Indiana ranked second behind Ohio. So, if you're looking for a trophy whitetail, consider the Hoosier State. They've got a bunch of them there. Meanwhile, in Missouri, they might not have the biggest whitetail deer there, but they sure do have a lot of them. From the Missouri Department of Conservation, we learned that 90,334 deer were harvested during the firearms opening weekend. That opener was November 11th and 12th, and of the 90,000-plus deer harvested... Over 53,000 of them were antlered bucks. Little over 7,100 were button bucks and 30,000 were does. The top counties when it comes to harvest was Franklin County with over 2,100 deer harvested. Texas County had 1,825 deer harvested and Howell County had 1,726. And if you're thinking this is some sort of record, it's actually not. This year's opening weekend harvest was similar to the previous five-year average. The November portion of the firearms deer season runs through November 21st. And archery deer hunting opens up November 22nd, runs through January 15th. So, still plenty of time to harvest a deer in the show-me state. And we've got some sad news to share out of Illinois, which has had its second hunting fatality this fall. Last Saturday, an Illinois man named Seth Egelhoff, 26 years old, died while waterfowl hunting in Iowa. Egelhoff was shot in the face by an individual in his own hunting party, according to the Associated Press. 911 was called around 1 p.m. in the Bays Branch Wildlife Area, and emergency medics rushed Egelhoff to a spot to be picked up by a medical helicopter, but unfortunately, he died en route to the hospital. It just goes to show that as hunters, we have to keep safety in mind. It's first and foremost when handling firearms. And now it's time for one of my favorite segments. It's time to talk record fish. 
Remember how we told you a couple weeks ago about that state record walleye out of South Dakota? Well, that record didn't last long. It lasted all of 15 days. Aaron Shucks, a 16-plus pound walleye caught out of Lake Oahe, that's a part of the Missouri River near Ekoska, South Dakota, fell to Keith Pazauer's pending new state record walleye that just hit a certified scale at 17 pounds, 13.92 ounces, that measured out at 33 inches long with a 22-inch girth. That's the word from TargetWalleye.com. The one thing that the fish have in common is the lure used to catch them. That is a Walleye Nation's Creations Reaper. It's a plug that's clearly going to have a lot more fans now that it's caught two record fish in less than a month. Pazauer caught the walleye out of the Missouri River. He had only been fishing less than an hour when he hooked into what he said was a huge one. Hauser was fishing by himself and couldn't believe the weight on the fish when he waited on his scale in the boat. Hauser knew that he had a potential state record headed right back to shore, and the angler from Pierre, South Dakota, took it to a place with a certified scale, got some pictures taken, and again, there's another state record walleye out of South Dakota. Boy, they are busting out some big ones there. Congratulations on your new record. And on that note, it is time to go, but here's hoping that you have a wonderful Thanksgiving and that you get to spend some time with family and friends and those that you love and maybe a little bit of time doing some fun things outdoors, whether it be hunting, fishing, or just walking off a big meal. Until next time, be blessed. Happy Thanksgiving, and remember this, it is your country and your outdoors, so get out there and enjoy it. Enjoy it.